Hey, do you want a hockey jersey? Yes, you do. Do you listen to the show? Well, I don't know how you heard this if not. Uh, I got a contest for you, and you heard about it last week, but this is the last week you'll hear about it before we pick a winner next week. So go to at Kane's Train Pod on Twitter. Look at my pinned tweet there. Follow those instructions. It's real easy. All you have to do is follow at HockeyPodNet, follow at Kane's Train Pod, and retweet that pinned tweet, okay? You'll be entered to win a free jersey. You can pick it, and I'll get to select you as long as we get the most retweets out of every show. So go retweet that right now. Chance to win a jersey. Make it happen. Enforcer Base Podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colt Nor. That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice Podcast wherever you find your podcast, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. Yeah, he would uh, be at the bar and he's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I. it's not bad. You know, it's. Enforcer based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What is up? Welcome. That might have been too loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to the Canes Train Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, again, we're live streaming a lot lately. We did it this past week for this episode. Um, excited about this one today. You are going to hear in the latter half of this episode a conversation I had with Adam Gold. You know him if you're a, a Canes fan in the Raleigh area. He is 99.9 fan, Canes reporter, host of uh, you know the Adam Gold show from noon to three, and uh, also does the Canes Corner podcast, which of course those great morning after shows that I'm sure you've heard before. Um, and it was fantastic to talk to Adam. I gotta tell you guys, like, okay, so two things. One is like a piece of advice, I guess. If you're someone like me who just decided, hey, I want to talk into a mic and do things, you know, I felt like I could have some success with this. Um, and I'm honestly thrilled with where it's, with where it's gotten to, um, you know, being a part of this network. And I could for sure never have like I never thought I would get as many downloads and stuff as I do you know if you would have told me hey you're getting even just over a thousand downloads a month I would be like there's a zero percent chance that a thousand people 
or you know a thousand times people want to listen to what I have to say. So I guess three things. One, super grateful. Thank you for that. Two, if you're a person who who is starting something like this, a piece of advice I could give is that early on I was kind of, and this is true to a certain point, but you know you grow enough to where it it's okay. But I was under the mindset that nobody wants to be a guest on this show. Why would I? And if I was reaching out to anyone, it was like, you know, just people I knew or, which is fine. Like, you love those people. I mean, some of my favorite conversations have been with one of my best friends, Sam Benishevitz, on the show. I'm sure you've heard episodes with him. Um, but, you know, like actual media people or stuff like that, like the types of guests we've been getting lately. Do you want to know how I got them on? I just asked. <laughs> and uh, you'd be surprised how how kind those those people are to, you know, people like me that, you know, aren't a part of the accredited media group by any means. But just like, basically what it is, is we all like talking about the hurricanes. Like if a random person reached out to me that I didn't know, and they were like, hey, I do this thing. Do you want to talk about the hurricanes for like half an hour? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, as long as I physically have time to do it, like, yeah, I'll do it. Because I like doing it. It's the whole reason I started this thing is because, you know, I live in Georgia now, so it's kind of been like a a struggle. I'm so used to, uh, you know, having plenty of people around me. And I mean, I still obviously talk to my friends and whatnot, but like, it's not like in a in an average day, I run into someone who wants to talk about the hurricanes. They don't even know who they are uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Nobody knows about that unless they're from somewhere else. So um, I started this partially to... Like, you know, for me, I'll talk, I'll talk to a microphone about it if I have to. Like, that's just how much I want to talk about stuff. But um, I guess, like, I'm just saying that if you, if you're a person like me that thinks there's no way anyone would ever, I mean, I've had some, like, stay tuned, man. I, I've got some really cool guests. We've already had great guests. I'm going to have more cool guests in the next few weeks. Like, um, it's a great way to fill this off season where, not a whole lot's going on, and I got you know a, a guest coming up soon that I'm hopeful can 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 fill us with some uh, some fantastic content as well. So I'm just really excited, and I'm super grateful to everybody I've reached out to that's gotten back to me. Um, you know, I've heard from people that work for ESPN, The Athletic. Like it's it's really cool. I got to tell you. So stay tuned, and uh, if you're a person who is interested in you know doing something like this, like just reach out to people, man. You'd be surprised how how kind a lot of people are and willing to give their time to to help you out um, because they just like talking about the stuff. Like it's the reason why they do what they do. You got to think about that. I think there was supposed to be a third thing to this point. No clue what it is. No clue. So uh, it, I was correct originally. There was only two points. Anyway, uh, before we get into that um, talk I had with Adam and, you know, I guess... I don't, you know, it is what it is. Feel free to skip ahead if, if that's who you are. I won't be offended because I won't know. Um, and Adam and I talked about, you know, the Hayden Flurry signing. We talked about Warren Fogle and kind of his place with the team going forward after his contract. Uh, and we talked a lot about kind of the Canes identity and like, what's what's the goal for this team's roster build? Like, what where do they need to be? Where do they want to be? Um, and I thought it was a really good talk. So that's what that's what you'll you'll have during that interview, but do you know the show you're at? Do you understand that before we can get to the stuff that, you know, matters, 
We gotta do a little of this, baby. Uh, um... E Yikes. This is... Off the Rails. Yeah. Yeah. Off the Rails time. If you're new to the show, um... What a, what a, what a great... What a great I like thought I just had that, hey, I just had, you know, a well-known media person guest. People might see the name and just tune in. And you're gonna hear this, and you're gonna be like, what the fuck is going on? It's okay. Bear with me. Maybe you have fun. And if not, whatever, just skip ahead. Again, you won't offend me. I will have no idea that you did that. Uh, but this is the part of the show where, you know, it's the Kane's train, man. Sometimes a train goes off the rails, and uh, this is the chance where I just, you know. We like I like to keep it lighthearted. I don't want to be so serious. I don't like to take myself too seriously. So this is the part of the show where I can express my my dumb thoughts that hopefully are somewhat entertaining to at least a subset of the of the audience. Um, but it's a it's a a lot of stuff's been going on lately. The election is one of those things, and uh, you know I'm recording this obviously the week before it comes out. And I don't know what, I don't, you know, it's pretty clear what the, what's going to happen with the election, but like hasn't been for sure said yet at this time. I'm, I'm hopeful at least by the time this comes out, we'll know for sure. And, uh, this isn't going to be a political thing by any means. That's not the point of this thing. I have a much dumber thought. And this is, this is one of the thoughts I've been having this last week. So, you know, obviously if you voted or even if you haven't, I'm sure you've seen what a ballot looks like. And when you go to pick um, you know, whether it's a presidential candidate or, or other positions as well, they'll have, you know, fill in this bubble for this guy, fill in this bubble for this guy or girl, and then, you know, third party or whatever, and then they'll have that bubble that says write in, and it's just got a line. So you fill that in, and then you write the person's name in. This is such an interesting concept to me, and I don't know if it is to you, but let me explain why I just think that this, like I start thinking about this, I'm like, this is just wild. And the what ifs that come along with it. Okay, obviously write-ins are mostly used by people who don't give a shit <laughs> and are just gonna throw in a joke or something. Like how many votes has D's Nuts gotten over the years, you know? Um, but this is, what if, what if, this is a big what if, and what if it was like a gag or something, but what if in any election, like, people just agreed, like, you know, screw these two people. We're all going to write in somebody. What if your name is, like, John Jones, okay? You probably know 19 people in your life named John Jones. Like, I could think of a few that I've heard with that name. <laughs> so, pretty common, right, is my point. What if you were just, like, a popular... What if you're just somebody's neighbor in the neighborhood... And you just gain a little bit of traction. They're like, you know, I don't even know who to vote for. Like, I'm just going to write somebody in. I don't even care who it is. Like, you know what? I'm just going to pick that guy, John Jones, that I think I know at least. His name sounds familiar enough. What if enough people did that where John Jones wins the election? First of all, wild, right? But think about this. How many John Jones are in the world? What do they do? And obviously, they don't care about figuring this out because it will literally never happen. But I'm here for the what ifs, okay? What if that person wins a race? Like, those write-ins add up? Or how many John... Like, okay, so... Do you just claim it? Do you... They're like, uh... John Jones won the election? Like, please step forward? Is that how it works? Like, do you just raise your hand and go, I'm, my name is John Jones? 
how many jo- like do we have a, a runoff vote to all the John Joneses in the area that decide to be like I would be president I guess you know or is it a collective is now the country run by everyone named John Jones as a committee these are the things that I think about and if you've ever had those thoughts before please let me know because we could be best friends because our brains work the same but I guarantee you that less than 0.1% of you have ever had any thought resembling that because it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> it's the dumbest thought you could have. But these are the things I think about, okay? You're thinking about the seriousness of the election and I voted in everything. But when I'm voting, I'm thinking about, man, what if what if a person with a generic name won the right-in vote? All right, anyway, mailing this thing off. Future of the country at stake. <laughs> um, the other thing that happened that was crazy but also made me think was, I don't know if you heard, there was like a series of, they called them robocalls, and I'm assuming that just means like automated calls out to people on election day, basically saying, don't go vote, stay home, vote tomorrow instead. Which, bad, right? FBI investigated it. We don't want voter suppression. That's not a good thing. But allow me to say this, okay? First of all, when, when has anything ever happened that the government was like, the, the way we will communicate an important message to everyone is by a series of automated phone calls that probably no one will answer? When has that ever happened? One, okay? Two, would you imagine yourself, and if, you, you know, if you're a person who did this, sorry, but I'm just telling it like it is. Imagine answering the phone on election day. And I don't know what these calls were saying, but I'm imagining it was something of, hello, we are instructing everyone to please stay home during this time. Please refrain from voting today. You may vote tomorrow instead. You know, some variation of that. (laughs) Imagine hearing that. And the next thought that enters your brain is, okay, you, you got it. You probably shouldn't be voting. Like, maybe, I posed this to my boss when we were talking about it. I was like, maybe we should just do that every year and weed out the dumb people that maybe aren't smart enough to have a say. (laughs) And that's a joke, of course. You know, I'm not trying to, if you have the right to vote, you have the right to vote. But like, damn, if you, I feel like what that was is for the people that were already like, man, this sucks. Like, I feel like I'm being forced to do this. I don't even really care. Like, I have to stand in a line, like, oh, I'd rather just be sitting at home or just sitting at my desk at the office, like, I don't even want to be here, God, but I know, like, it's my civic duty, so I'll do it, and they get a call, it's like, please don't vote today, and they go, that's all I needed, all right, government, wink, you got it, like, just any, any excuse possible to go home and, and not have to stand at the polls, um, but yeah, what, who, bad, I want to clarify, bad thing, those things, There's, it's, that's illegal, that's a bad thing. We don't want that. But like, who are you that heard that and was like, oh, okay, can't vote today. Gotta vote tomorrow. Dude, it's called election day, not election days, even though it turned into a week or 10 days or whatever it's going to end up by the time this comes out. Who knows? This might come out and they might still be counting stuff. Nevada for sure will be because, you know, and I know there's a bunch of people that are like, well, actually, the reason... Why Nevada is taking longer is because of the lawsuits and they have to go through. Okay, you know, 
Be more fun. Be more fun. You're the type of person that should have skipped to the end, okay? You weren't, this isn't meant for you. It's fine. Um, anyway, the, the, the other thing that came up during election time is, dude, I retweeted, sorry if that, that was my cord slingshotting into my table at about 300 miles per hour. Um, the Twitter has started doing things and I'm sure other social media has too. I just haven't paid attention to it, but they've started doing things to try to combat like disinformation, which is hilarious because like it's been how many years that you've just been like, yes, yeah, say whatever, even if it's completely irresponsible. And now you're like, oh, we should maybe do something about that. Um, but dude, I retweeted, uh, I retweeted like a something that, of course, it had an article in it, but it was just one of the NHL network people saying like, or maybe it was a, a TSN, per, I don't remember, um, saying like, hey, this person just signed for this. I think it might have even been one of the Hurricanes players. And I just kind of quote tweeted it and like with a little comment. And I got this message that popped up and was like, are you sure you don't want to read the article? Headlines don't tell the whole story. And I was like, first of all, in this, <laughs> in this scenario, the headline definitely tells the whole story. If the headline says Hayden Fleury signs two years, $1.3 million, that's the fucking story. Everything else in those, when have you ever read those articles and you're like, this is really interesting. Like, dude, it's just filler. You need words to, to put around that. And you're like, this is a person's stats. This is when the team drafted them. They're happy to be here. Like, it's not, doesn't, doesn't matter. The headline is the whole story with that. But, you know, obviously, you shouldn't just be sharing articles that matter and maybe have more context to, or like uh, content to them. Whatever the word I'm looking for is. It's not either of those, but it's fine. I'll move on. Um, you shouldn't just be sharing headlines without reading it. I, that's a, that's a big pet peeve of mine. Um, but, the fact that we even need that message that pops up as a safeguard and says, are you sure you don't want to actually read what this thing's talking about before you share it to, you know, potentially millions of people? Like, we need that? You guys are just reading a headline and being like, this is it. This is everything I ever needed to know. So stupid. Don't do that. It's really dumb and irresponsible. I'll tell you what, I did a research paper in college my senior year um, about exactly that. And, you know, when you're doing a research paper, you have to like go find all this evidence to essentially back up your argument. I cannot tell you how many, it was so easy. I can't tell you how many articles I found that made these bold scientific claims in the headline. And I would be like, that's for sure not true. And also it was like four years ago. So like, I know it's not true because like, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it still hasn't been true ever. They make some bold claim. Like, I remember one that was like, eating fish during pregnancy is, is, uh, is, it has negative effects. And I was like, seems like that's probably not true. Just inherently, like, just eating, eating fish in general, like, is just bad for your health. Like, no, I don't know about that, you know? And then I read the article, and the evidence they had was like, in a couple of tests on mice, this happened. Therefore, Eating fish, bad, bad for pregnant humans. Like, what? We're not mice. I get it, how the testing... But, like, it's got to go farther than that before you can make the final claim. So, yeah, don't do that. That's dumb. The fact that we need a, a pop-up on, on a Twitter to tell us, like, don't forget to actually know what you're talking about before you do it. Like, come on. Come on. Where are we as a society? Anyway, um, 
Oh, dude. Do you know what the one other thing before we move on to the actual content? And this has been a long one, but it's fine. I'm having fun. Hopefully you've seen this. If not, like, oh my God. It's so funny to me. The, it was the Reds, their play-by-play guy. And this happened a, a little bit ago now. But it's just popping up as like a meme everywhere now. And it makes me laugh so hard because like this guy, it's just so, such a stereotypical baseball play-by-play thing to do. Um, is that this guy, I don't even know his name. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. You know who I'm talking about probably. Um, and if you don't, it wouldn't matter if I said his name because you wouldn't know who he was. Um, but so basically hot mic incident. Okay. Not going to repeat what this guy said because I probably wouldn't be putting this headset back on if I did. Um, but he basically, it was a situation where, you know, they're coming back on air. His mic's live. He doesn't realize it yet. And he says some, you know, kind of a slur. (laughs) thing you wouldn't want to say into a microphone um and i'll leave it at that and then he just goes it doesn't realize he was on air okay so the next game in the middle of the game by the way in the middle of the game not at the beginning not in some pregame thing dude it just in the middle of the broadcast okay a guy's at bat and this is essentially what he does he goes (laughs) During yesterday's broadcast, I, uh, I made some statements that were extremely harmful, and, you know, I, I would like to apologize as, uh, you know, I have... Basically, that's what he's doing, you know. I have I've made some claims that were hurtful, and I sincerely apologize. And Castellanos hits one to deep left field, and that'll be a home run, and so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be putting this headset back on. He, that... Dude, I laughed so hard, so hard, because that's exactly how I delivered it, is exactly how he delivered it, and I was like, what? And then he just goes back, and I don't know if I'm going to be putting this headset back on. Dude, that made me laugh so hard. It's such a baseball thing to do. To be having a conversation and just jump into like nonchalantly calling the game. Like, yeah, exactly. And that's why I think, you know, Ritz Crackers, like, what have they been doing as he steps up to the plate now? 2 0 count. Like, it's just such a, they just work it in like so seamlessly and it's so funny to me. But to be making like a sincere, heartfelt apology and just to be doing that during the game, first of all, to even have things going on that's not like just focused on you. So insincere, right? So not genuine. And then to just jump into like, well, a home run happened. I can't not acknowledge that. And so, you know, it's a 4-0 ball game now. And then, yeah, okay, back to this apology. Yeah, I probably won't be putting this headset back on. Like, <laughs> I would imagine you won't. <laughs> I would imagine you will not. Uh, that was so funny, dude. And you go, and now there's all these people that will, like, make tweets out of it. And they'll just be, like, you know, saying something about the election. And then just jump into that. They're like, this is... This is ridiculous. I can't believe they're, they're, you know, these people are having these protests and, and all this. And that's as a Castellanos hits at the deep left field. And so that's a home run. And that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. <laughs> this is so funny to me, dude. Uh, but anyway. All right. I've rambled on for long enough. Um, Adam Gold, kicking it over to you. Save the show, my friend. <laughs> Thanks again to Adam for doing this. Check him out. A Gold fan on Twitter. 999 the fan. Every, every weekday, 12 to 3. And uh, Kane's Corner podcast intermittently during the offseason and after every game with the morning after podcast. Go check those out. 
Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Enjoy this talk. All right. Welcome to the Canes Train Podcast. We're doing it here again live on the Hockey Podcast Network. And today I am joined by Adam Gold. You know him from 99.9 The Fan. If you're in the Raleigh area, uh, Hurricanes reporter. Adam, thanks so much for sitting down with me today. How are you? I'm doing well. No, it's a beautiful day here in uh, in the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful day here. I'm down here in Savannah, Georgia. So uh, it's wait a second. Really, it's really like, nice uh, today. It, it's in it's on the Mount Rushmore. It's on my Mount Rushmore of U.S. cities. So I love yeah. Savannah. Absolutely love Savannah. It's a good place. It's a good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can drink in the streets. So you know it doesn't. You, get you, better you than can. That. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> movies, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yep. Uh, yep. Based in, uh, based in Savannah. Um, just again, love the, love the movie, love the city more. Yeah. It's an awesome city. If you, if you're listening to this and you haven't been, you got to check it out. Um, my oh, wife really? and I moved here a couple of years ago and, uh, that's why, well, she, she oh, wanted now to, I have a place to stay when we come to town. <laughs> sure. You're always welcome. We got an extra, <laughs> extra guest room. <laughs> um, but Adam, as we start here, I want to start out with some, some cane stuff that's happened in the last week or so. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the most notable things we've had go on are two RFA signings um, that, you know, we knew were going to happen. And I think there was some discussion over where they'd end up, but uh, Hayden Flurry signs two years at, I believe 1.3. Yep. 1.3 for two years and Warren Fogel one year at 2.3 or sorry, 2.15. So um, Hayden gets that two year deal, a guy that, you know, came on really strong at the end of last year and in the play-in as well. Uh, but all in all, probably hasn't gotten a ton of time to really give us a great sample size to elevate his stock. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting that he's locked down at two years at that deal, but I think that that gives him a good bridge deal to kind of prove himself and hopefully secure a longer-term deal for himself. What do you think about the the Flurry signing? Uh I actually think the flurry signing is great. It's a little bit lower than I anticipated it being because mm-hmm. uh, I try to gauge and have some conversations with people going into the season when I'm going through my own exercise of trying to map out their salary cap uh, and who's going to get what. And I thought that flurry would ultimately fall in about the uh, – two-year, $3 million range, like 1.25, 1.75 in the second year. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit lower than that, which is right. whatever. It's not significantly lower. But uh, so I was kind of right about that. I kind of thought that was the right uh, right range for him. Um, and as, as for his ability, I think he proved last year that he could play in the NHL. I don't know that he proved he could be a top four defenseman because I don't believe he did. Uh, but what he did was he proved he belonged in the starting lineup. I think there were times where he could play up. Uh, so in a in a in a way, he was sort of like his friend Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who right. proved to be an NHL defenseman. Proved that on occasion he could play in your top four, if, you know, based on injury. And I do think that Fleury was at times their best defenseman in the bubble mm-hmm. in Toronto, and that's on a team with Jacob Slavin. Because uh, most of that was because Slavin didn't have a very good playoff, I believe. Uh, but I thought Flurry was excellent. He was excellent in the Rangers series. He was very good against Boston. Uh, he's a good skater. He's got an offensive idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he plays with some, you know, abrasion, some sandpaper, then he's 
I think he's a useful player. He doesn't have to fight. He just needs to right. play a physical game. Uh, nobody has to fight anymore, but he has to play a physical game. Uh, so if he does that, then he's fine. And I love the uh, the signing and the value for two years. I still think he's a restricted free agent at the end of the two years, uh, which is good. I don't think he's unrestricted at that point. Right. So it's the team still has control, uh, and uh, I think it's I think it's great. So yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it's a good deal. I I also agree on the fact that I thought it would be a little bit higher average annual value. Um, but you know, you look at it and on one that was headed toward arbitration, you know, the team is arguing, this is what you've done in your career. It's, you know, you've been around for a while, but you don't have a lot of games and, and you've been a seventh defenseman most of the time. So this is, this is the value for that. I mean, you see what a guy like you mentioned, Trevor Van Riemsdyk got in unrestricted free agency, um, which I I think, yeah, I mean, Flurry got the better deal there, but um, you know, you've got the player and, and his representation likely arguing on potential, which you know, there's an argument to that, but uh, when you're trying to put dollars to it, I feel like it's harder for the player to argue on, you know, what he could potentially be, which, yeah. you know, I, I do see potential for Hayden Fleury to turn into a top four defenseman. But like you said, I don't think he's proven that yet. I mean, it's it's hard to do that with, with the amount of games he's played. He definitely have to, to be a top four defenseman in the NHL. You got to do that consistently, um, you know, in, in a lot of situations, not just for one stretch of games and, and so on. Well, the thing with about being a top four, and sorry, my dog keeps moving okay. the computer. Uh, Earl, come over here. Um, uh, TVR got this sort of a like a, a numbers game off season, right? Nobody's yeah. got money. Everybody's right. looking for cheap contracts. You notice there were no real big deals right. signed in free agency, um, and TVR just isn't the same player he was prior to the shoulder injury. Because if he was, if he could come back. My guess is he probably would have signed here, um, and 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 that really was a problem. He just did, really wasn't the same player. He showed flashes of it, but I just don't. I mean, that shoulder injury was devastating. Yeah, and I and and TVR is just a very solid, steady guy, and I think he's going to try and rebuild his value in Washington. Flurry, even though he was a seventh pick, the, there's the, the one thing about him is that there's nothing that he does that would be considered like exceptional. He's a good skater, not a great skater. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily, he doesn't have great speed on the back end. He's good offensively, not great offensively. So it's got to be the overall package. Mm-hmm. If he puts it all together, then he can, I think he probably as a ceiling is a four. Uh, which puts you in your in a, on a second pair, but right. he's probably more a four or five guy uh, at his best. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. You need those guys, and yeah. he he can have a good career. He's still just 24, so we're not right. going to uh, we're not going to bury him uh, on the bench just yet. And he's a great yeah. kid. I've he, talked to him on my last podcast uh, and had a good time. He's a good golfer too. <laughs> yeah, that which is important to replace that with Justin Williams retiring. You need someone to yeah. to compete for the throne in the locker room, right? Yes. Um, and you mentioned your podcast, there he is. by the way, everyone. Where's the guy getting in the way? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hey, trust me. If Here's I didn't have my door to the studio closed, I have I have five of them at this house. Whoa. So you'd see some dogs. Yeah. I'm not so. coming to visit now. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a lot. Um, yeah, you mentioned your podcast. Everyone go check out the Kane's Corner podcast that Adam does. Um, I'm sure, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't listen to that podcast, don't, <laughs> don't quite know how, how that ended. I appreciate it, but uh, go check that out. Thank you. 
thank you for that. The uh, the ones we do post game during the during the season uh, are the most popular. Yeah. Um, so we do we call them morning afters, mm-hmm. and uh, basically me normally my friend Alec Campbell who does pre and post game for the team. Uh, we get on and sometimes we get, uh, you know, I bring sound from the locker rooms when we were used, used to be able to go into locker rooms. Uh, but they generally run 30 minutes long and it's sort of an extended post game. Right. Uh, so if you didn't get enough from the post game show, uh, they're good. The, uh, the morning apps, but it's all part of the Canes corner, uh, umbrella. So thank you very much for, uh, for plugging that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I listen to it. I mean, it's. I think I fit in with a lot of the Canes. That I mean, when you're when you're a passionate fan, you just yeah. crave things, and you know, you putting out those after every every game is like we get to relive the positives of you know the wins, and that's yeah. nice. And then for the losses, you're like, where, where did it go wrong? Let me let me listen to somebody who, um, you know, can kind of give some insight on where it went wrong. So yeah, that's that's it's a great idea. I'm glad I'm glad you do it because uh, Thank you. the we all need more Hurricanes content. So I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm. I, I hope we start the season soon so we can get back to it. I agree. Yeah. Um, one more RFA to talk about. Warren Fogle signs um, a guy with a little more NHL experience. Still not quite sure where he ends up in the grand scheme of things. He's kind of. Yeah. He's kind of all over the place. Like you'd look at his potential and you're like, this guy could be something. And then you look at it stretches of time. He's great. Stretches of time. He kind of disappears or flies under the radar. And so I find myself wondering a lot about Hayden or sorry, Warren Fogle, but. At 2.15, uh, you know, I kind of anticipate, anticipated that once this was going toward arbitration, I'm sure the players' representation are using like a Brock McGinn contract as sure. a comparable. Whether or not those, how comparable those two players actually are, like, feel like it's up in the air. Um, personally, I think that this AAV is probably a little higher than what the team wanted value-wise on the player. Um but, you know, it's a one-year deal, and I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but to me, Warren Fogle is kind of an up-in-the-air piece moving forward in the organization. Like, I feel like he really needs to prove himself with, with like, a greater sample size of doing things consistently the way that he's shown he can. Like, you look at the Washington playoff run. I mean, if you can get 75% of that player for, you know, 75% of the season – you're talking about a guy that becomes, you know, a good part of your young core and, and a depth forward that that helps a lot. But, um, you know, if he if he's kind of in between like a fourth line guy that can play up, like I just feel like the amount of money that he might want or that other teams will pay. I feel like that's a guy that eventually gets lost. And whether it's even in the expansion draft coming up, who knows what the team decides to do. But what do you think about Warren Fogle and his spot with the team going forward? Right. There are really two issues here. One of them is the contract. Mm-hmm. and the other is the player. Let's deal with the contract quickly. Right. Uh, m- my understanding is that the team wanted to do a multi-year deal, mm-hmm. but the team did not want to do a multi-year deal at the number that he got for right. one year. So I think they just said, you know what? We have the room. We're probably not going to do much more in terms of player acquisition. I think anything the Hurricanes do between here now and the start of the uh, you know start of training camp would be through a trade, which would have money going out as well as money coming in. So – uh, I feel like they they believe there'll be a net zero in terms of a salary cap. Uh, so that's not an issue. Uh, but uh, Fogel, um, if you're going to – it was never going to get to arbitration. Nobody wants to go to arbitration, so they wanted to settle before they got there. But if they had more faith in Warren, then they might have done that deal. But this is – now we get to the part of Warren the player. 
Right. Um, and two years ago when he made the team, and I had the I love having these conversations with Rod Brindamore, who I talk to a lot. And I always I mention it because a lot of the stuff that fans argue with me about are <laughs> they're really arguing with the head coach. I just right. wish they understood that. Yeah. Um, so because I talk to Rod a fair amount uh, casually as opposed to in an interview situation. But when when Fogle made the team, Rod was like, this is a Carolina hurricane. This is what we are. And he made the team out of nowhere because of the way he played. It had nothing to do with production because, frankly, I don't think he produced anything in the preseason right? when he made the team. But it was the way he played that got him on the ice and put him on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in year one, he played that way consistently. He made tons of mistakes. He turned the puck over, but he played with a heavy four check game. He played physical. He played fast. There was a determination every single night, every single shift. And that's what Rod wants out of Warren Fogle. Right. He produced points last year. And of course, then at the end of the year, of course, he had the series against Washington, which you mentioned, which opened everybody's eyes to, oh my gosh. There's so much more to Warren Fogle's game. No question about that. Fogle scored. He he actually played in two games the year before, and he scored in both of those games, including a a beautiful move along the goal line extended, uh, which made you go, where where did that come from? But if you look at history in his past, he was a big scorer in junior hockey, playing Mm -hmm. with better players than him. He was arguably the difference maker on those teams. So there is a higher end of Fogel's game, but none of that matters if Fogel doesn't play the way he played to make the team. And last year he didn't play that way. So he had seven, uh, what, 13 goals and 30 points in 68 games. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Right. because He's got to play a certain way. He's got to play like Jordan Martinook plays every time Martinook's on the ice Martinuk didn't lose value to the team last year because he only scored two goals. Mm-hmm. Martinuk scored. What did he Just score? The on the first year? line in the in the playoffs. So right. shows you so it's they can all play. about how. So mm-hmm. what did Martinuk score his first year? 12, 13, 14 goals. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't less valuable to the team last year. Right. Scoring twice. It's about how he plays. Mm-hmm. Warren Fogle must play a certain way. If he doesn't, he won't be here because yeah. it doesn't help the team. If Warren Fogel scores 13 goals and 17 points, but doesn't do all the other things. So he's got to be physical. He's got to be on the forecheck all the time. Has to play the way he made the team two summers ago. Right. I agree. It, you look at Warren Fogel, and he's, he's such a frustrating player to me uh-huh. because – Again, it's the potential, and you see what it's there, and you see him. You see his ability to play up too. I mean, I you, there was a stretch. I guess it was maybe, maybe in the middle third of last season where they even had him up with. I think it was Aho and Terabayan at one point. Oh yeah. Um, and I think he did a good job on that line of playing that game he does, where he, you know, he's just like an energy guy. Where it's almost like he outplays his his feet are sometimes outmoving what his what his hands and everything can do. He's just a guy that is going to give you energy. And like, that's so useful because it creates space for those skill guys that when they get space, I mean, Aho and Teravainen are not going to, not going to mess things up when they have space. And so that's very useful. It's similar to what Jordan Martinuk does, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you see that go away sometimes. And yeah. it's, it's curious because to me, 
you know, the goals, you look at a guy like, you know, even Ajo at times says, you know, gone through these goal droughts, but it's not, it's not like a lack of effort a lot of times with those guys. Um, you know, it can be a lot of things for Ajo. I think it's focusing too much on the goals, but um, right. you see these guys and when it's, when it's like an energy based thing to me, it's, I mean, you just go in every night, you got to go full throttle. If that's the type of player you are, like that's completely within your control to do that. So it kind of confuses me sometimes when I see guys not play that game every single game. I mean, I, it's, it's not easy by any means. I mean, it's the reason why not everyone in the league plays that way. It's difficult to do, but um, for a guy like him, I think he's got to be that, he's got to at least be that energy guy every night. And like you said, the four checking is incredibly valuable. I think that's a, that's a piece the Hurricanes need to add more of. They lost a little bit of it, um, you know, between the, the season when they went to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years and last season. Um, so, yeah, it you know, wasn't, those pieces. wasn't no, the same it wasn't. last year. They were a better team, but the forecheck wasn't there uh, no. for, for a bunch of the year. I know uh, Martinook early on was in and out of the lineup uh, with some injuries, but uh, yeah, Fogel's a part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. He has to provide that kind of – you know, hard to play against ideal. Uh, and he didn't do it enough last year. So this is really a make or break year for him. Yeah. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then who knows? I mean, I would, I would anticipate uh, they could move on from him, but the, the, the thing, the reason I believe, and they would have done it this year, but he has something that they don't have enough of mm-hmm. uh, and that's size. Uh, and I know that they'll tell you all, uh, you know, all, all day long, well, you don't need size in the NHL. Right. You need some of it. Disagree. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree. You need size in the NHL. You need size uh, in every sport. You do. Sure. I mean, look, as I love Sebastian Ajo, he'd be a better player, be a more difficult player if he was six one as opposed to five eleven. Right. Uh, and I realize I'm kind of picking nits here because he's already an outstanding player, uh, but there are still times where Ajo kind of you know, get swallowed up by a bigger, more powerful center. Right. Um, if he can't utilize his speed and vision to his benefit, but Fogel mm-hmm. needs to just play, just play a harder game, man. Cause if you do, it doesn't make a difference what the production is. It's all about process that's, with him. Yeah. That's what the coach wants to see. Yeah. If Warren Fogel goes out there and plays that hard nosed game, I don't, I don't think it matters if he has zero goals and zero assists. I think Rod would throw him out in the top six, every night, or at least top nine. A hundred percent. It doesn't matter. I, and you, you wish, you wish certain guys would get that. But again, as I mentioned, Jordan Martinook gets it. Right. Martinook understands he's not, he's not there to score goals. He's there to provide uh, a service, if you will. That's yeah. the way Fogel should play. And if he does that, he will provide a service real. I mean, I, I know you probably want to move on to something else, but this is the way Warren Fogel's game was described to me by people within the organization. And this was when they let uh, uh, Joachim Nor- uh, Nordstrom go. Mm-hmm. Like he's Joachim Nordstrom with some offense. I'm yeah. like, well, if Joachim Nordstrom could score 25 points a year, <laughs> he'd still be a hurricane, right? Because you knew what you were going to get every night with Joachim Nordstrom. Well, that's what Warren Fogel needs to be. He needs to be yeah. that guy with some offensive upside. And if he does, then he's probably a third line player, but somebody who can add to your top six when you need him. Right. But that's such a useful piece that that third line guy that, you know, it's not going to score a million goals a year, but man, if he's not going to give you a great effort and and create space and do all the things that you just need to do as a, as a hockey team, like the hurricanes, I think the next thing we can talk about is kind of 
where where does the team need to go? Like what 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 direction are they going to? Because I feel like they need to settle on an identity. And to me, it's somewhere it's a compromise in between 2018 and this last season. Because two years ago, you look at the roster and it's like, I mean, there's skill on there, of course. So you got your top end guys, um, and you've got a young rookie that looks like he's going to be a star already at 18, and Andrei Svechnikov. But there's a little more to be desired on paper on that 2018 roster. Um, but you look at how they played, and specifically the latter half of the year when they kind of got it together and realized, oh, this is if we play like this, we actually have a chance every night. I mean, they were going up against anyone, and, and they had a chance to win every night. And I mean, I know you've mentioned this a few times. You talk about the Justin Williams interview after the Tampa Bay loss late in the year where he said, we pissed it away. And I mean, that, that that's the kind of the hurricanes were playing that game where they were so competitive, even against a historically amazing Tampa Bay team that they not only were in a game like that, but should have won. They yep. did, I mean, they, they made mistakes and, and blew it. Um, so that, that level of effort and forecheck and just grit, like that, that grit and grind factor. I mean, you, you can say it's a cliche all you want, but you look at that season and it was not a coincidence that, you know, they kind of focus on all these things and Rod takes over and just what Rod is as a, as the person and his philosophies. And then that's the performance they do when they buy into it. And then the team decides, you know, we could probably use some more skill, which I don't think anyone was arguing there, but do they maybe lose too much of the pieces that they had that, you know, were role players like a Jordan Martinuk, you know, like you said, those guys have value regardless of the points. I feel like they might've focused too much on the, you know, coursey stats and, and whatnot for these guys coming in that. <laughs> that's, that's loaded right there. <laughs> I mean, that's you, you understand hurricanes. I fans do. I do. Love them from Corsi. And look, I like it too. I'm a math guy, but I, I also, I've played the game too. So I understand that, you know, the game doesn't exist in Excel. Like it, it, it is a, right. there is a middle ground between the two. You, those numbers matter because the, the, they're number, like they're there for a reason. That player mm-hmm. did those things to make them successful. Um, but you gotta have other elements that aren't necessarily quantifiable, at least not that I've seen, um, you know, you can't model physicality and, and difficulty to play against. If you can, right. whoever makes that model will make billions of dollars in the NHL. Um, but, do you agree that they need to, like, there's a compromise in between maybe the 2018 roster and the 1920 roster that maybe is more ideal for the Canes as far as skill and physicality go? See, I don't think there's a compromise because I think this team's identity is the team that broke the playoff draft. That's their mm-hmm. identity. Yeah. I argued all last season that they never really played to it, mm-hmm. um, but they got away with it uh, because they're talented. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they, they don't need more skill. They simply don't. They get enough offense up from the blue line with Dougie Hamilton playing the way he's playing, or at least he did last year until the injury. Uh, and that will continue this this next year with Brady Shea and Pesci both being there a full season, hopefully, and Jacob Slavin takes the next step. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about uh, their skills. Svechnikov, Aho, Taravainen, uh, Martin Natchez will take another step yeah. forward as an offensive player. Um, I'm not sold on Vincent Trocek as a second center, uh, but I mean, he's fine. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you throw Nino Niederreiter, uh, who I still think will be a good player and provide some scoring, you know, between the circles for them. Uh, but, uh, I don't think they need more skill. They just need to get back to playing the way they played the year before and nothing on their roster 
should get in the way of doing that. So to me, that's really, that's the difference. Same, same mindset. What they don't have that they had a couple of years ago, they don't have the Michael Furland effect, mm-hmm. which got them going. I mean, Furland's yeah. first two months in that year were spectacular yeah. to the point where he was, the contract demands that he was putting on the Hurricanes was yeah. five years, $7 million a year. And they were never going to do that. No. Uh, and we all see what Michael Furland is. He's kind of, he's fragile. He's, he's constantly out of the lineup. When he's healthy and engaged and all of that, Furland's a great player. Mm-hmm. And he makes other players better because of the way he plays. Uh, and frankly, that's kind of the way that Fogel needs to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, physical, throw your body around, understand that you've got some high end, take advantage of it. So it's what I want to see from, uh, from Fogel. But their identity is that is that team. Their identity, to me, never really materialized last year, but they kind of got away with it because their high-skill players were really, really good. Ajo Teravon and Svechnikov, Hamilton, uh, and then Natchez, who has to get more consistent, like we talked about with Fogel. Natchez must be a more consistent player this year, but I assume he will. So in, in second full year in the NHL, I assume he'll get better. Uh, but to me, that their identity was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with you. And I, I think so many times people talk about acquisitions and, you know, free agents and who who they're looking at. Like, I think personally, Jesper Foss, and I even did an episode uh, right after the playoffs ended, or at least for the hurricanes where I talked about, let's look at some pending UFAs and like, who should we sign? And right. to me, I don't, you know, I'm not interested in the Taylor halls and the, because it's always an overpayment at the top of the, at the top of the group. And you're often paying for a guy that probably has pretty fatal flaws in other parts of their game. A lot of times, I mean, it's fantastic to be great at scoring goals, but I mean, a guy like Mike Hoffman is really good at scoring goals and he hasn't gotten a contract yet. And I know that has a lot to do with the, the flat cap and all that, but it also has a lot to do with a lot of teams understanding that like, he's going to get us 25, 30 goals a year consistently but how many are we going to give up because, you know, he's not the best defensive player and, and that stuff matters. So when I look at, you know, Ford's the hurricane should pick, I, 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 Jesper Foss was like my number one. I just a guy who I think fits the team. Well, like he can provide you some offense, but he's going to do it in the right ways. And that to me is getting back to that identity that made the hurricanes good. Like if you're going to sign a player, it's you, you're looking for offense always, but to me, it should always be a two-way player because the Hurricanes are missing. Like, you know, they have guys that are more offensive than defensive. And once you overload that, okay, now you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Who, yeah, you might score a lot of goals. It might be fun to watch. You might make a playoff, but you haven't won a playoff series since 2004. And I'm not trying to throw too much shade at the Toronto franchise, but I mean, it is what no, it is. Like, I think it's fair to throw it, but but I think you what you've seen of, out of Toronto in this offseason is that they have added more of those. And I don't know that they've added two-way players, but they've added more character to their team yeah. this offseason than they have in the past. Two things. Uh, one about real, Taylor Hall got, what, one year, $8 million from yeah. Buffalo, was it? Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting signing to me. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a, hur- a move the Hurricanes should have made. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but that was interesting to me. But to me, what well, I didn't understand Buffalo doing it, but it's a uh, – that's a, Taylor Hall is a, a player you add if it's your final piece – I think I don't think it's what Carolina needed yeah. unless no. Taylor Hall is going to play center, which he doesn't play. Uh, Cause again, I think they're, if I was going to put point to one problem with this team, 
I do not think they're good enough down the middle. I really don't. I don't think their center position after Ajo is top. I mean, it's top half of the East, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's top half of the playoff pool right. in the East. And that is something I think they'll need to address during the season. The number one thing that Brenda Moore looks for in a player, uh, and this is this is why Jesper Faust was the right guy, is character. And all of that other stuff is fine. Jesper Faust is really a third-line player that played with elite talent in New York and may helped make them better. So he can do that if uh, for Carolina if they want to play him on a second line. Uh, like I don't think they're going to move Natchez to the middle just yet, no. but if they were going to do that, Jesper Faust would be on the right side of him, I right. promise. Uh, but Faust is he's only what is his career best is 33 points, something like that. Uh, yeah. He's not a big scorer at all, uh, but he plays a physical game. He's a great skater. He's got size, and he is just – he is a great teammate. Five years running, he won the award that the Rangers give to their best teammate. Right. Um, so that makes it a great signing. Um, Mike Hoffman, he can score. I wouldn't put him in Jesper Faust's category – in any of the other aspects right. of building out your roster from defense to understanding the game to being a good teammate. We had, you know, all you got to do is Google. There were some issues with Hoffman in Ottawa. Yeah. So uh, I think those are the types of things that uh, are complete red flags to Rod Brindamore in this franchise. Yeah, I don't think a player like that fits. And like, hey, I mean, it's not even – I'm not trying to disrespect the player Hoffman, and he's he's – if you're going to be good at something, scoring goals is a is a pretty good thing to pick to be good. Ryan Dingle's good at scoring goals, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, maybe not here. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I love Ryan, but it hasn't worked out. So it hasn't worked out. I think Dzingle is another player that um, you know I was really excited that the team got him. I like Ryan Dzingle as a player, um, but maybe a guy that plays that you you look at who he he was playing on a bad Ottawa team and having success there. And to me, a lot of times you see those top line guys for bad teams they're kind of just like go just go do what you do and i don't really care if we get scored on five times because our defense and goaltending isn't good either and it was probably gonna happen anyway so it doesn't it's it's not as highlighted as when they play on a good team and you're structured and everyone's expected to fill in this role and that player is just not quite tuned into doing that because they haven't had they've just been run and gun the last i think that's how he thrives and you know the hurricane he had some success this year when the Hurricanes were playing that running gun game, but I don't think the Hurricanes had success when they yeah. were playing that game. Beginning of the season. Beginning yeah. of the season before structure kind of crept back yeah. to the entire league, not just Carolina. Uh, usually in the in an NHL season, the first two, three oh, weeks yeah. are kind of all over the place. Yeah, and that's a, that was a good game for Ryan. Um, he had not played a game of consequence really in Ottawa. Uh, you look at a couple of things with Ryan. He scored a bunch of goals. Um, but when he was traded to Columbus, he was a healthy scratch a few times, especially in the playoffs. Uh, that's never good. Maybe John Tortorella is not the right guy for Ryan to play for. <laughs> yeah. But Rod Brindamore is not that dissimilar apart from Brindamore's not crazy ever. Uh, so, But there is an element of the game you must bring to play for Rod that Ryan's not accustomed to. Uh, also, it took him a long time to figure out that, oh, I have to play on the defensive ends. Yeah. Uh, his best games defensively, as it turned out, were the best games that he played. Forget about the scoring. And I, it's never about scoring with Brindamore. 
unless that's your job, right? Um, right. So at some point, Aho, Teravine, and Svechnikov, they have to score. Uh, but Rod can look at your overall game. Like he's never met a Jordan Stahl ever. Right. It, it, it's not really part of his job to yeah. score. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the end game is for Dezingle with the Hurricanes. Um, my sense is that any kind of a trade that they make, and I still think that there are things that they would like to do, I think any kind of a trade they make would probably involve him. Um, and I could also see a trade involving a Trocek if they're bringing back a center um, in, yeah. a, uh, in, a, in a deal, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think they go to training camp or at least I don't think they start the season with the exact same roster that they have. Yeah, I get the feeling they've been looking for a trade partner too. Um, and, you know, it'd be great to address some of those, I don't know if you want to call them holes, but maybe just fine-tuning the roster and the, and the role. They just need more role players, like you said. I mean, we talked about Fogel and Martinuk. Martinuk is a guy who understands – he's been in the league long enough. He knows what he is. He's been this type of player for a long time. He understands his role. He does it well, and therefore he provides a really good value for the team because they're like, we need you to do this. He's going to go out there every night and do it. Vogel is a guy that I feel like when you're young and you have a lot of pressure put on you to live up to potential, like Marnuk's lived up to his potential essentially. I mean, he's not an old player, but he's kind of become what he's expected to be. And so that kind of, you just fill in your role and you're fine. Everyone likes you. When you're a guy who has, you know, the weight of, oh, top six forward potential on your shoulders, I feel like you push too hard to get there when really what Warren needs to do is just accept the role on the team that the team needs from him and he will perform better because mm-hmm. it'll be easier to fit that niche and do those little things that he needs to do right. It's so much easier to do, you know, a specific group of, of tasks right on the ice than it is to go out and just try to be the best player on the ice. That's that's too hard to do, you know, unless you're Connor McDavid and it just comes naturally yeah. to you. And and if if far if Fogel does what he's supposed to do, he'll get paid here. Right. I mean he'll get paid here. The, and the, the goals will come, I think. To spend money. I don't even I don't know why that became a thing. <laughs> the team is not afraid to spend money. Tom Dundon, I mean, look, I have I, Tom Dundon might be looking to cut corners in other ways, John Forsland. I was about to say certain broadcasts. Uh, but um <laughs> uh, but he's not going to skimp on the team on the ice. No. He ultimately knows that if you put a good team on the ice, it gives you a better chance to win, especially if you put a good team on the ice with this head coach, it's going to give you a better chance to win. And he knows that that's what makes you money. Right. It's nothing. It's about nothing else other than winning. And yeah. he gets that. So, uh, so he's not, he's not dumb. He knows, he knows what they need. Uh, so yeah, but if Fogel plays well, does what he's supposed to do. He'll be successful. He'll get paid here. And that's always better. That's yeah. always better for the team. Yeah. Not to mention that you can probably get him for less money than you could get a comparable player. Exactly. Unless, there's, unless you're coming off a pandemic and maybe then, then maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you could sign anybody for 800000 and and just roll with it. <laughs> but anyway, all right, Adam, I think I've taken up plenty of your time. I really appreciate well, you taking the time. time to do this for me. Um, and uh, go check out Kane's Corner Podcast. Um, follow Adam on Twitter, a gold fan. Is that, yep. am I right? Okay, yep. cool. Got it. <laughs> um, and listen to, you know, 99, the fan, check out all the shows. Um, you mentioned Alec Campbell who does some producing for you guys and, and also hosts, you know, storm watch and all that sort of stuff. He's great. Just go check out all these guys that, you know, I don't understand if you're in the Raleigh area and you're not, 
You should be for sure. If you want Kane's coverage, they're the best. If you're a Kane, you know what we get? We get uh, because the show we do from noon to three every day, we mm-hmm. don't talk a lot of Canes on the show. It's a statewide show. I don't really harp on the fact that it's across the state, uh, but the Hurricanes are really Raleigh centric. Charlotte doesn't really care. Uh, I'm not sure Greensboro cares. I'm not <laughs> sure Greenville cares, but I know in Raleigh we care. So when the season's going on or where there's news, we talk about it. Uh, but for the most part, we do the other things. Uh, but we're always, Alec and I are always willing to kind of uh, go off on a hockey tangent and we probably need to incorporate it more. Uh, but that's why we do podcasts and that's why I write uh, at WRALsportsfan.com about the Hurricanes, try to do something each week and I'll probably do something uh, over the weekend about the Canes and hopefully we'll kind of have an idea of when we're going to start the season. Yeah, My guess is so. uh, mid-January is probably a good idea. That would be great because I could use some hockey back in my we're life. All, good. <laughs> all right, all Adam. Good. Thanks so much. Anytime, Zach. Appreciate it.